Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, my friends. I am Vivian McPeak, and this is Hemp Present. If you have feedback or would like to suggest a guest or topic for Hemp Present, email me at hempresent at gmail.com. I greatly enjoy hearing from you. David Goodman is an accomplished, self-taught American photographer and storyteller. His passion for photography has been a lifelong pursuit, beginning at the age of eight with his first camera. By the age of 11, he was developing film in his parents' basement, and by 24, he had opened his first photography studio in New York City. Throughout his career, Goodman's photographs have appeared in numerous prestigious publications, including the New York Times, Vogue, The Advocate, Huffington Post, and High Times Magazine. In his groundbreaking book, An American Cannabis Story, Goodman takes readers on a fascinating journey through the previously unseen world of legalized cannabis, farming, and product development. Through his lens and through his words, Goodman provides unprecedented access to this intriguing industry, focusing on Puffin Farm, a mom-and-pop cannabis producer offering an intimate look at the people and places behind it, as well as eye-popping photographs of sweeping vistas of the farm, as well as breathtaking close-ups of the exotically colorful cannabis cultivars, grown by this regenerative farm in Washington State, which is also the home of Hemp Resent, and I have him with me today. Welcome, David, to Cannabis Radio. Thank you, Vivian. So nice to be with you today. Yeah, man, my pleasure, my brother. Uh, Your new book, An American Cannabis Story, is a rather large hardcover work. I counted 208 pages, and it's simply chock full of stunning cannabis photography and supportive commentary uh, with many full-page color photos. I want to begin by asking you, how and when were you initially exposed to cannabis and what kind of personal relationship do you have with the plant today? Wow. That's a great question. Um, (laughs) Because when I first arrived at the farm, I was just astounded by what I saw, by what they created uh, in Ellensburg, Washington. And I had never seen a live cannabis plant before. My introduction to cannabis was, you know, when I was in, I was actually a senior in high school when I, smoked my first joint and, uh, and I, and I enjoyed it immediately. You know, it was one of those things that, you know, it, re- it resonated with me. Um, uh, I was, so I was 18 years old. Yeah. And, uh, and when I was in college, you know, I would smoke occasionally. Um, and, you know, I, throughout my life, I've enjoyed it, but I had never seen a live cannabis plant before. I guess I might have seen a picture or two in Fleeting, but it never really caught my interest that much. But when I went to visit my niece's cannabis farm for the first time, which was in 2017, 
um, you know, when, when, when I arrived on the farm and the gate opened up and I took a look at what was in there and uh, not just what I saw, but the aroma of it, anyone who's been on a, on a cannabis farm before, I mean, if you've never been on one before, it really is quite intense. It just hits you right in the face and you just don't escape it. it, it you know, it, it kind of was like, uh, it was kind of, it, it reminded me of, you know, smoke somewhat or, or the way, a dried cannabis uh, would smell maybe before you roll it all up, but it was completely it's really, different. It was much more alive. It's, it's a it's a beautiful plant. Yeah, it's a stunning plant, um, and and it was really a, it was it was a joy to photograph. I mean, that was the thing. I didn't realize all the varieties that there were. That's what was what was astounding to me. It was you know you you had these multicolored uh, buds, and then you had just very green buds, and then you would have a uh, purple buds and then mixtures of all of the colors and uh, the shapes of the plant the plants were all different all the different cultivars were different so it's really uh it's really been an education for me for the past few years in terms of uh, going to the farm as often as i did to document everything that happened on it and and to learn about it and uh i, I it's just been a real education for me to write this book you know, it's interesting because you had an experience where you, you learned a lot about cannabis. In a way, it's important to demystify the plant for millions of mainstream Americans that maybe have had no exposure to it. You've had your photography published in many high-profile pro, high mainstream publications. At what point did you get the idea to create an American cannabis story, and, and what was your motivation for doing so? Well, um, you know, I'm always looking for good subject matter. Um, I had actually been working on a couple of other book ideas and, uh, and, and those <laughs> actually got put on the back burner when this came along. When I arrived at Puffin Farm and I started taking pictures, I thought this really is the subject matter that I want to pursue because it's a subject that I'm interested in personally. And it was something that I wanted to learn more about. And when I started photographing it, uh, and writing up the story, uh, I, I happened to get an assignment from High Times Magazine when they found out that I was doing this. And I, I sent my pictures in to Danny Danko, as a matter of fact, and he gave me the, uh, the assignment to write an article about them. And once I started inquiring about their practices and what they do and the, the regenerative nature of, 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 their, uh, of their farm and their whole philosophy, I just became immersed in it. And uh, writing that article, I think, spurred me on to go further. And I decided to track everything that happened on the farm, which was quite an investment, both in, in terms of my time and financially, because I live in New York City. So I had to fly every month, at least once a month, to Washington State to stay there for a week, sometimes two weeks, to document everything that was happening and to be able to follow a full season's growth of what happens on the farm. Um, and in so doing, uh, I also started asking questions and finding out a lot of information about the history of Jade and Ben, who are the owners of the farm, and how they got started and met each other when they were in high school. And I thought that was really interesting because I didn't know that this is my niece. And I didn't know that she had met her partner and future husband, Ben, and they started experimenting with growing weed, you know, when they first got into their actually in their freshman year of college. 
Um, so the story just grew in my mind of, of what this was about. It was no longer just about a year in the life of the farm. It was also the history of the farm. And while I was there every single month, especially and including the, um, uh, the harvest month, which I was there for the entire month of October. Um, but all the ancillary things that went on in the farm, for example, uh, I really wanted to include some of the culture of Washington state. So I had the opportunity of hanging out there in July, in August, uh, throughout the entire year. So I got to see all the things that were involved in cannabis farming and in a kind of a fun way, all the other uh, sort of cultural things that are that go along with it, such as I got to attend a, a, a 710 party and uh, put on by a, 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 a dispensary. And they had to have a weed wagon parked outside so that we everyone could legally go inside the weed wagon and smoke smoke a joint. 710 representing the, the letters oil backwards, right? Exactly. So the, it was the oil holiday that uh, somebody invented for the industry. And then, of course... Thanks to you, there was also Seattle Hemp Fest, which is one of the one of my favorite sections of the book. Um, uh-huh. You know, when I first wanted the first time I went to Hemp Fest, you know, it was it blew me away because I didn't know about this festival being in New York City, and and there it was all on the water. It must have been like at least two miles of uh, I don't know how long it is, but it's it's this long almost uh, festival. Uh, all along the water, but I think it's about the Elliott Bay, right? It's, it's right. It's yes. right. Uh, it's right there. And one, and one of Seattle's um, jewel of a park. Yes. And one of the most colorful groups of people that I could ever find in one in, in one sort of uh, location. And and then of course there was also very colorful uh, the uh, uh, Ken Kesey's Magic Bus, which was just a fun thing to experience in person. Yes, the further, and, and so further it was things, too. It, Yes, There's things like that, and also meeting Aaron Varney, uh, the uh, the dispensary, uh, sort of like the pioneer of, uh, of the reinvention of how dispensaries are designed, and that's the thing. Then it, I, I realized that what I had here was a bunch of incredible pioneers, because this is the new frontier in American agriculture, and we were here. I was documenting it from the very beginning by the very people who were, were involved in this and who were, who were kicking this off, this new legal cannabis. Uh, world that we that we are uh, developing and hopefully it will become nationwide pretty soon but um everyone in the book is a pioneer and uh and that's what was amazing to me that i was meeting all these incredible people who were involved in the cannabis world and they're all very committed and they're all very idealistic and uh i i think what they're coming out with is a really incredible thing especially the craft cannabis uh, growers who are using organic and sustainable regenerative methods such as Huffin Farm. Yeah, you know, rather than being a dangerous uh, culture uh, of criminals, uh, the cannabis culture is a beautiful, artistic, spiritual, creative, uh, non-threatening culture. I mean, really, by large, it's it's a really beautiful culture. I mean, of course, there's there's it bleeds into the criminal element, but that's a tiny fraction of it uh we do have to go to our first break but we're going to come right back with david goodman author of the new amazing book an american cannabis story time to roll out for the people that let us have present hang loose we're coming right back when you visit arizona time is measured in moments not minutes like the moment you see the grand canyon for the first time visit a new state of mind 
Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And we're back on Head Present. Uh, David, an American cannabis story starts by extensively detailing the evolution of Puffin Farm and then moves on to somewhat photo journal a year in the life of the farm. And then you dive deep into the various processes of trimming and flour, pre-rolls, bubble hash, rosin, et cetera, on and on. Uh, this must have been to some degree a process of discovery for you. You kind of you know, touched on that. What surprised you the most when you arrived at Puffin Farm? As I had I previously said, just how beautiful it was, what they created there, um, uh, the way that the plants look, the aroma, um, and, and also basically how wholesome it was. You know, for years, you know, we have seen what cannabis farming is like, and, and you can't even call it farming. You know, what did you have to do? You had to basically hide what you were doing. And that's why uh, cannabis farming, I think, went indoors. You know, there's that whole debate over what's better, uh, outdoor farming or indoor farming. And I hear from people all the time that indoor farming is better because you, know, you can have more control over the environment. And Jay yeah. and Ben will argue the opposite of that. They would say, actually, you know, it's very hard to control pests when you when you're uh, growing indoors. Uh, when you grow in an outdoor farm, there's a lot of natural pest control. So you don't have to you know, do the same things or use the same sort of pesticides as you would indoors. Um, and why, and then you sort of ask the question, why do people, why did people grow indoors to begin with? Because they had to hide it. They couldn't grow outdoors. You, you, you get arrested, you, you get in trouble, uh, to grow your medicine. So, um, uh, you know, um, I just think the way that they, uh, set everything up and, and how pure their techniques were. Because farming, um, that, farming is farming is farming essentially, right? Yeah, no matter what you're farming. And it's like what Aaron Varney says, you know, in this incredible chapter where, where I interviewed him about dispensaries. But he's very in line with what's happening on Puffin Farm, and he talks about that. In fact, if you don't mind, I can actually run, read this little section here because I think this guy sums it up really greatly. Um, talks about going out to uh, Puffin Farm and he says, you know, you can find some crazy growth. This is Aaron Varney talking. You can find some crazy, crazy growth setups indoors. But I think where we're headed is harnessing the sun, harnessing living soil and producing something stunning from those simple inputs. Yet as simple as those inputs are, you don't get more complex than sunlight. You can try to approximate it with indoor lighting, but you're just not going to do it. It's the sun. There's so much information there. These cannabis plants have been working with that information for thousands, if not millions of years to developing what, today, what they are today. And then he goes on to say, when he gets a chance to go out to Puffin Farm, 
and look at what they're doing. I just think right into that rhythm. It's like a nature rhythm out there. It's sunlight. It's earth. It's like pure intention. These plants are doing what they've done for thousands of years and collaborating with humans to make it all happen. I think that's really great. It's kind of poetic in a way, but um, I think he really sums up the fact that you're really not going to do better than growing outdoors. Yeah, I mean, I, I would argue that cannabis has been growing outdoors for millennia and uh, it wasn't intended to, to be grown indoors, number one. Number two, there's the tremendous carbon footprint uh, that indoor growing uh, creates, which is exactly. a, a major problem. But there's also the terroir. Uh, the, you know, grapes have a, uh, wine has a specific aspect to it based upon the the terrain and the weather and the the uh, moisture in the air, you know, the dew and that kind of stuff. And, and you start growing stuff indoors and you, you really lose all that and you've got to create this artificial environment. So it just seems like I want my, my weed to be grown under the sun, you know, where I think that it, it, it belongs. Um, yeah. And that there's a whole chapter about their terroir and uh, because, you know, there are certain sections of, especially along the Yakima river where the terroir is absolutely perfect. And that is basically the type of uh, place that, uh, that, that, that is exactly where Puffin Farm is located. It's right there along the Yakima River Valley. And they've got this great soil and they've got a great terroir. And it shows up in how the weed turns out, you know, makes it very aromatic, very tasty. And they're winning a lot of awards for what they produce. You know, it's a shame that, you know, imagine if the wine industry could only sell within state lines, right? What kind of an industry it would be. And it's, it's a shame that listeners across the country can't check out Puffin Farms. Uh, we, yeah, it's such know, a shame. And, and it really we, is. And we got to change that, which is why, you know, we, we can't stop. We need to keep going. Um, what, what kind of reader react? First of all, let me just say, I was blown away when I got your book. It, it is, everyone I showed it to is like, oh, wow. When they start seeing these giant full page, beautifully color, unbelievable photography, uh, it just, it's just really like one of a kind. Uh, I've got maybe 50 books on my cannabis bookshelf uh, here in my office. I've never seen anything quite as visually impressive as an American cannabis story. Uh, what kind of reader reactions have you enjoyed? I'm getting a lot of really amazing reactions and the reactions are never ever really what I expect them to be, but um, it's really just unbelievable. Uh, of course, you know, I, I'm getting a lot of reaction to the photography, which I'm very grateful for um you know i love when people like my photographs and i like the, how the fact that people are responding and it's not a just photography right there's yeah. a lot of text in it too i'm sorry yeah yeah but a lot of the responses um are very similar to my responses because when people are telling me i didn't know the plant looked like this i didn't know that it was so beautiful i didn't know that you had uh all the varieties um and I, I am kind of used to people enjoying my photos. I've been doing photos, you know, all my life. So I, I kind of like, I, I always love it. And I, and I, it feels great when they like it. But what I'm really excited about is that people are reading the book too. And what you said is true. It is, it's not just a book of pictures. It really has a lot of good information. I've had a lot of, uh, I was really lucky to have some of the most incredible people uh, uh, schooling me in, 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 the, in, in what terpenes are and the entourage effect into how it, it how the entourage can medically benefit a little girl who had epilepsy and it cured her of her epilepsy. There's a wonderful story about, about River Barclay and her dad, who was just, just an incredible human being and had spent his whole life, you know, 
seeking help for his daughter's health issues and found them when he discovered this cultivar called Remedy, which is an incredible cultivar grown by Puffin Farm. Um, but um, the, the, uh, I, I think the whole idea is, there's a lot of cutting edge ideas in the book, such as uh, the indica and sativa myth that uh, is blown up. And I had the great good fortune to interview Dr. Ethan Russo. Yes, who is, he's you been know, on this show. Oh, he's, he's incredible. He's such a, the guy, the guy's a genius. But um, his chapter is, is extremely illuminating because he really goes into uh, the entourage effect and the effect of terpenes on the cannabinoids. And uh, he gives a real scientific basis to how different strains work rather than uh, the typical bud tender is going to tell you, oh, you get the sativa and you're going to be like this and you get the indica and you're going to be nice and calm. He blows that whole myth to pieces and he gives real sound basic science. And I think when you read the book, I think hopefully you will enjoy enjoy it and enjoy the photography. But I really think that there's a lot to be gotten out of it because this is what I got out of it. I'm just trying to transmit the knowledge that I've gained to the readers. And that was the main purpose of writing this book, to really open up the world of cannabis in, in a, a real basic and scientific way, and also hopefully a pretty way too. Well, you definitely achieved that, man. Uh, you definitely achieved that. Uh, it is t- Sadly, it's time to roach this segment uh, but the cool thing is that we're going to fire up uh, the last segment and it's a little shorter, but it's a fatty. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with David Goodman uh, of an American cannabis story that must be told. Time to roll out for the people that let us have present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. All right. We are back with yeah. David Goodman. Um David, an American cannabis story is published by powerhouse books out of Brooklyn, New York. What's the best way for someone to obtain a copy? Oh, it's on every uh, internet site. You can go on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Uh, almost any of the online booksellers have it, and it's also in local bookstores. I know it's at Barnes and Noble. It's at a lot of independent bookstores. If you want to come in and have a look at it, you can do it that way too. Uh, those are the best ways. All right. Um, you know, uh, there's a dedication on the first or second page of your book that reads for the craft cannabis pioneers of America. Uh, Many of those pioneers could be included in what is often referred to as the legacy cannabis community. And that legacy community is largely the people who throughout the worst years of cannabis prohibition paved the way for the nascent yet growing quasi-legal cannabis industry of today. Uh, Simply put, many cannot compete in this overly taxed, heavily regulated uh, industry, uh, an industry where sometimes uh, volume is more important than quality. And many of these operations, unfortunately, uh, these people are going down. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I do. I think, um, well, everyone I know who is in the craft cannabis world, basically everyone in Washington state is having a difficult time because uh, from what I've learned that I-502, the laws that made cannabis legal in Washington state and set out the rules and guidelines uh, of how the cannabis uh, industry needed to operate uh, it was done by people who probably had good intentions to make cannabis legal, but really didn't have any understanding of how to set it up so that it could operate as a successful business. Because the truth is, who wants to go into a business where you can't become really successful? I mean, every business that you set up 
should be organized in such a way where you can get really rich if you're good at it. And then there'll be those people who uh, make a decent living and maybe maybe do very well for themselves. And then there'll be people that make a decent living. And then there's always in every business people who will struggle to get by, maybe because of the way they manage it or for other reasons. And then there are people there will be people who will fail. But that the largely, way it's set up dep- and, largely yeah. depends upon you, not the system. Right. Exactly. But the system is set up to make you fail, which doesn't make any sense for you. It doesn't make any sense for, for the government. I mean, the whole idea of having a, a, a legal cannabis, uh, to have laws to allow legal cannabis is the ultimate thing is you get taxes. It will benefit the state. Everyone can benefit. The people, the, the customers will benefit. The, uh, the patients will benefit. The growers and the processors will benefit. And the government and the people of the state will benefit. But the way it's set up, if it's set up so that people are going to fail, look what they did. They make every they made everyone build an eight foot fence around their grow areas <laughs> because they didn't want people to see. That's a huge expense. And then at Puffin Farm, for example, they had something like they had to install 160 cameras. It's so insane. That every inch of their space could be watched. They could go in and they could look to make sure you're not breaking any rules, like uh, maybe smoking a joint out in the field, making sure children God don't forbid. go into the growing field. The kid can't grow in the growing field, whatever it is. Well, that's a huge expense. It's going to be hard to make that money back. And uh, but and but, mass taxation at every point. Right. Right. Exactly. Uh, Plus the fact that they gave a very limited number of dispensary licenses out and an almost unlimited number of producers. Mm-hmm. Anybody knows, you know, if you're going to have a flood of product, the price is going to go down to the point where like nobody can make a profit. So how can you stay in business no matter how idealistic you are? How are you going to maintain a company if if you, there's no real market for you to sell to? And if uh, there's a glut of product, which is what they've fostered by the way, the way they regulate it, and the way the rules that they've set out, it, it's, you you have to set up, a business so that it can succeed. You can't set up a business so that maybe you can control it or do have it succeed on a limited basis. Um, it's going to benefit everybody. It's especially going to benefit the state if the well, business is successful. You know, as crazy as it is, me and most of my friends voted against the law. It was that it was that narrow sighted after thirty years of oh, really? uh, of, of working to, to to create legalization. We thought we'd be stuck with this bad model, and we were. We are uh, under sixty seconds, uh, David. Real quickly, uh, real quickly, are there any new exciting projects you're looking forward to? Uh, well, uh, yeah, I have two other books that I'm working on, which are non-cannabis. And I have uh, another follow-up to an American cannabis story, which will probably come out in a couple of years because it's going to take me at least that long to uh, do the photography and uh, and other you know other uh, research that I need to do for the book. But yeah, um, I, I'm always busy and always working on something. So there will be more books and gallery shows coming from me in the near future. Well, an American Cannabis story is a masterpiece, in my opinion, and it's it's going to be a collector. It, it has destined to be a collector's item and should be on the coffee table of every canophile and hemp sapien out there. David Goodman, mm-hmm. American Thank Cannabis so Story by Powerhouse Publishing. Thank you so much, my friend. Thank you, Vivian. So 
Great to be here. And thank you so much for everything. It's my pleasure. And that concludes this installment of Hampton on Cannabis Radio. When it comes to prohibition, you've got the right not to remain silent. Activism requires a voice. So find your voice and speak up for justice because resistance is fertile. The Hampton intro music is Seven Mile Beach by Joanne Rand. And the outro music is Take Back the Plant by Stickerbush. See you next time. Stay strong. Marijuana! The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.